0: Hey everyone, this is Tony from sovhorror.com and welcome to the SOV Horror Podcast. Uh, This time we have a really awesome guest, one of my favorite filmmakers, Mr. Hugh Gallagher is with us. But before we get to our interview with Hugh, I'm gonna go ahead and throw out my plugs as I always do. And uh, since we got Hugh on today, I definitely wanted to mention... Our first release, and actually probably one of my favorite releases, which is Metal Noir here on DVD. This is a jam-packed special features DVD. If you're not familiar with this movie, it was a lost shot on video movie. Uh, He actually worked on the film. He was a cinematographer as well as acted in the film, and we'll probably get into that a little later. But uh, this was our first DVD release. This is the one that started it all, and it's a, it's a whole lot of fun, and there's actually a lot of uh, cool little making of documentaries about some of Hughes' movies on this disc as well. So Metal Noir, guys, I highly recommend this one. And then also coming out in January, here i got to cover up the nudity here. I don't know if I've announced this one yet, but this is Horror Girl, which is a movie starring Getty Chasen who uh, you might recognize from Hugh's movie, Garotica. And we're gonna be putting this one out in January. This is a co-release with Mongrel Video. And we're really excited about this. Uh, A lot of cool special features on here as well. So January Horror Girl, guys. Anyways, that's it for the plugs, and uh, let's go ahead and get right into it. So, as I said, our guest today is Hugh Gallagher. You, he's probably best known for directing uh, what most people refer to as the Gore Trilogy, which would be uh, Gorgasm, Gorotica, and Gore Horror, as well as the uh, a publisher, uh, publisher extraordinaire. I mean, gosh, so many different magazines. Most notable, probably Draculina, but a whole bunch of other magazines like Scan, and uh, I think Oriental Express was one of them, a whole bunch of stuff. So welcome Hugh Gallagher, thanks for coming on. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. So uh, you've done so many things, Hugh, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, I, I'm not really sure where to start, honestly, because you've just done so much and, and we only have so much time. But uh, you know, one thing that I find really fascinating about your story is Draculina Magazine And how you kind of started Draculina. So can you kind of tell our audience who's maybe, if they're not familiar with the magazine, kind of what the magazine was and kind of what were the beginnings of the magazine?
1: Well, when I was a little kid, I drew Draculina. And I would like sell it in school and stuff like that. And it turned into a fanzine when I started selling it like through Comics Buyer's Guide, which is long gone now. And eventually I wanted to keep moving it up. And I started advertising the back of Fangoria and sold it there and then i suddenly decided i wanted to make a magazine so i just turned it into a full-size magazine i had big ambitions i was going to have full color cover and full color centerfold and i had set up the printer but when i took it there they told me it was pornography and they wouldn't publish it they wouldn't print it oh, wow. so <laughs> it kind of sucked but <laughs> i took out an ad in fangoria a big display ad and i kind of took pre-order saying it was going to be out Kind of like what you do with your dvds i say it's gonna be out in january or whatever and people order it and i sold a bunch of them but i didn't have the color so i had made it into a two color cover and put it on glossy paper and sent it out and i mean everyone it, it t- took off it was a slow taking off but i mean i was just on ebay just a while ago and somebody's trying to sell the first issue for 761 dollars which is just crazy to me <laughs>
0: Now, so I've heard people
1: paying as much as 500 bucks for it, which is also crazy to me, but I, I don't even actually, I have like two copies of it myself. Right.
0: Now, now the magazine, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't it kind of start off more as like a comic?
1: Yeah, it was comic. When it was a fanzine, it was definitely a comic. And then I started adding movie reviews and after about from number one to number five, it still had the comic in it. And then after that, it kind of just went to movies because I was really interested in movie making and stuff. And I was doing the interviews and, Reviews and making of articles, which I really liked, and yeah, it just kept developing. In around I don't know what the, 19, god, I don't know, 90 around that area. My wife actually got was getting moved into a management position somewhere else, and I was working in a place I absolutely hated. And she's like, "Well, here's your chance to do Dracula full time if you want, because we got to move like two hours away." So when we moved i started doing it and i put the color cover on number 14 and it just took off and then i actually made a living off it for the next 15 years and
0: nice and and so you know with with your filmmaking and, and your interest in filmmaking were you already making films previous to draculina magazine
1: i was always trying to i had a 16 millimeter camera and i'd shoot like little shorts and just with friends of mine and stuff and we they were all stupid and <laughs> I tried to raise money to make a feature I had some movie called damn this house, which some guy was living behind a wall in a house, but I actually found the script for that the other day, but it never, I never could raise the money. It's probably a good thing I didn't, cause I didn't really know what the hell I was doing 16 millimeters. You know, it's, you can't you pretty much, need to know what you're doing before you try to shoot something on that. Right. But it was fun just playing around with, and I don't even have that stuff anymore. I used to have a lot of equipment, but I don't have it anymore. Gotcha.
0: So, so was Dead Silence actually kind of your first take at making a film?
1: Yeah, um, that was like a disaster all the way through. It Really, the only reason it was completed is just because I wanted to prove that I could complete it. I mean, it took, it was shooting for several months, and the first person was supposed to be in it. We were supposed to pick her up at the airport, and she didn't show. And other people, you know, well, you know how that goes. You know, people mm-hmm. say they're going to be there, and they don't, and... That's like part of the biggest culprit of why most movies aren't made, I think. But it, it just took a long time to make. I just made it on weekends for a long period of time, and, you know, it got done. It is what it is. I mean, it's it's a pretty crappy movie, but it's got car check wrecks in it and it. stuff like that. So I'm, I'm kind of proud of that, that we did that. But, I mean, I literally bought the car with the intention of wrecking it. I mean, I've done that two or three times, and I, I don't know. I, besides horror, I love action movies. I love car chase movies. That's
0: one thing I really like. Right, and that always does kind of stick out in, in that film is definitely the, the car uh, sequences as well as uh, some of the car sequences like in Gore Horror. And uh, I can see your posters behind you. I, I presume, like, yeah, you're a pretty big car fanatic.
1: Yeah, I got my Stingray poster, which is made in my hometown, and my Mad Max, which I bought back in the late 80s for $25, and everybody thought it was insane. Why are you paying that much money for a poster? And, like, I don't know what they sell for now, but right, it's a original That was that same place I bought like Andy Mulligan uh, posters that had never been hung up for like a buck a piece. I had a bunch of stuff. But um, yeah, the crazy thing about Dead Silence is like when we, you know, the part where you've seen it where the guy gets on top of the car and puts the axe in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the pick in it. I mean, we were so lucky no one got hurt because I was just like, I like put a little mark on the thing. I said, this is where the pick's going to come through. So make sure your head's not there. I mean, she could have got hurt so easy. And then when the guy falls off the top of the the car, he was kind of crazy. And he cut his arm on the way down. It's like his whole back of his arm was all sliced up. And luckily, he was a trooper. He didn't care. But, you know, I was just lucky no one got hurt. Right.
0: <laughs> for sure. And that one that one was really kind of hard to find for a long time. Uh, you know, I first got into your work kind of in the, I'd say, around like 97, 98. I picked up uh, Gorotica on VHS. And uh, I'd I'd eventually read about Dead Silence, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And I actually didn't see it until I got this tape, which was the tape with Metal Noir on it. Yeah. (laughs) And that was the first time I saw Dead Silence, which was a a pretty nasty looking copy. So it's pretty cool that you got SRS to put that out on DVD. I, I really didn't even
1: want it out. He talked me into it in... I really didn't even want to, I mean, it's a crappy movie. I mean, it has its moments, but it's, it's a crappy movie. And that's pretty much why no one ever saw it. because they just didn't put it out there.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I I personally, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting, sure. It's, it's definitely not your best work and and you definitely evolved as a filmmaker after that movie. But to me, it's always neat seeing kind of the beginnings of, you know, where a filmmaker starts and where they kind of come from, you know?
1: Yeah. And this is funny when we were shooting that. I mean, like there's like a carnival scene. We just went to a carnival and shot as carnival. And then I put a tent up in my basement, put my wife in the tent to be the, like the reader, you know, the lady she goes to see. I mean, it was all just ridiculous. I built the electric chair in my basement and it's, it was crazy. I mean, we were just, it was just on the fly. Everything was on the fly. Right. But you know, it sucks that it took that long to end up with that, you know, <laughs> I wish I would have ended up with some masterpiece, but you know, you spend all that time. it's was like, Oh, this is what you ended up with. God It sucks
0: so so after though after dead silence because because i'm a little confused if if uh gorgasm was first or if metal nor was first kind of what what was your your next kind of film project after
1: until you until you released metal nor i would have told you gorgasm was first but after seeing things that charles pinion said and i started looking back on stuff metal nor was first (laughs) so yeah um I hooked up with David. I don't even remember how we hooked up. Everyone I got is, I got so much stuff through Dracula and people would contact me. And basically every contact I've ever had has been through the magazine. Right. And and David was one of them. And I don't know, somehow I was going to play the lead in this movie called The Eldridge. And I went out to Buffalo and once again, people didn't show up, same kind of thing. And we only shot part of it and we were going to go back and do the rest. And I sucked at it. I mean, I, when I was looking for stuff for you, I, I ran into a video of it. And I watched it. I thought, God, this is just horrible. But, um, I was getting equipment to make orgasm. I guess I told David, you know, I'm getting all this super VHS equipment and, and he must ask me to come out and shoot that. And I just went out there and shot that.
0: Right. And so, so did you have an interest in acting at all? Or was that kind of something that you, you it just kind of fell into to kind no,
1: of I, I, I always wanted to act and stuff, but it just never really panned out. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I've been in a couple plays and stuff like that. I just, it's fun
0: doing that kind of stuff, but I, I didn't really pursue it very well. Right. And one thing, one thing I love about Metal Noir and I think that really sticks out about the film, is definitely your cinematography in it. And uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of kind of you know, I'd say almost nods to things like Evil Dead and stuff like that with the, you know, kind of yeah. maniacal camera movements throughout the house and stuff. Um, Being that this was kind of your first feature that you shot, were you kind of like, did you do any kind of like studying or did you kind of do any kind of like, you know, pre pre things in advance to shooting or storyboarding or anything like that?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, I I know Evil Dead influenced me a lot because I really liked that movie, but yeah i don't know it turned out really nice i thought it, i was actually i when i found that i don't know if you got that master i say i don't know if you've been able to watch it yet but man it looks pretty good on that one yeah and, and yeah i was pretty happy with the way it looked you know like i griped you about the editing i think it could have been cut down big time but i don't yeah it, it has a lot of great shots That's why I, I always tell david i go you're like the no budget david lynch it's just to me, that's what it reminds me of. Because he comes up with these stories that are just so involved, and I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't. I think they're too heavy in the dialogue sometimes, but he's got a lot of good ideas, and I liked a lot of the stuff that was in that. I mean, the special effects in that were pretty cool. Right. And I like that cross scene. That cross scene was really neat.
0: Oh yeah, that scene's so cool. And uh, Wild Bill had told me a story about, I guess you guys kind of trekking up there and taking the cross with you and kind of freaking some <laughs> people out. Do you remember? Do you remember anything yeah. about that? I
1: remember that being
0: really weird.
1: I mean, we drug that up there. I
0: mean, yeah,
1: I, I can't remember a whole lot about that. But yeah, yeah Wild Bill, was, he's a really nice guy. He was a lot of fun to be around.
0: Right. And was that the first time you met Charles Pinion as well? Or had you maybe spoken to him previously? Because I know he had I, done twisted issues, I think, before that.
1: Yeah, I think I had written back and forth with him. But that was probably the first time I actually met him in person. And once again, he's a really nice guy. He's really professional. And yeah, everybody on that set just got along really well, which I love. I love when, you know, you make a movie and everyone just gets along. That's just awesome. I'd say the only thing that was out of sync in that was David's wife, which is his ex-wife. Now she was, she wasn't that great of an actress, but I mean, besides that, she was kind of bitching a lot. (laughs) She'd be in the room bitching about stuff. I I know we were doing something in one of the rooms that was going to give you blood on the floor and, she was bitching up a storm and David and her were going back and forth. And I, I finally said, let's just shoot it. Just, just shoot it. And we shot it and he got blood on the floor and she got pissed. I was always worried that was part of his divorce problems, but hopefully it wasn't. Hopefully it was something totally different. But he had a couple of kids too. They're really nice. And I mean, she wasn't that bad, but she was
0: the only one that was griping. And do you know anything I've, I've tried to uh, finding uh, the actor who played Eric, I know he was a musician and he actually put out a record. Do, do you have Scott any Meurton. memories of, of Scott from, from the shoot?
1: I, I used some of his music, you know, the sex toy song from In Gorgasm. I used some of his songs in Gorgasm. He was a super nice guy. Um, Yeah, he was like, I mean, it was typical, like 80s metal type, or not metal, it was like pop rock or whatever. Right. But. Yeah, when I was trying to find, when I re-edited Gorgasm, I was trying to find, you know, good copies of that music, and I actually went on eBay, and I could only find a, it was a foreign release of his album, and it was going for like, I don't know, hundreds of dollars, Wow. Um, but, you know, I tried to track him down, and I could not find him, and I couldn't find anyone, knew anything about him, or what happened to him.
0: Yeah, last I saw, he was playing, and he did quite a few different bands, I've done a lot of research, you know, trying to track him down myself, and I, his trail for me kind of ends like in the late 90s you know he last I saw was just him playing in various bands and possibly producing but uh yeah I'd, I'd love to track him down as well as uh, the the lead actress uh, gosh I can't think of her name off the top of my head I don't think it's a real name anyway if I remember yeah. correctly I Shelley
1: something?
0: Uh, Michelle King is what I think she's credited as yeah, she was really nice. I feel that too. wasn't her name, though. Is that? Do you recall anything like that? I feel David has called her by a different name.
1: I can't really remember. I mean, I, I remember she was like everybody in that movie was really nice. Um, I remember, you know, in the sex scene when they were in bed. I don't know we were shooting it, and she came up to me and she goes, "He's really getting into this," because um, <laughs> <laughs> it was obvious. Yeah. That Scott was getting into it and she I don't know. I she seemed like she was happy about that though, but I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> cool. But yeah, that went that went
1: off really well. She she was a nice person. I know her acting is you know, I don't even know if it was her acting. She's probably a good actress. I just that was a very heavy dialogue movie, I think that was what made it so difficult for her.
0: Well, for sure. I mean, it's a very ambitious movie. There's so much going on. And like you said, very dialogue heavy in, in parts and uh, so many different locations. I mean, you know, and all the different kind of set pieces, you know, one of my favorites I got to mention is I love, cause I know you edited the movie and I love that juxtaposition of when they're making love Laurel and her man. And then all of a sudden it pans down and or pans mm-hmm. up and you see the Madleys making love. And yeah. uh, I mean, that that definitely, you know, was that already, was that kind of pre-planned or is that kind of something that was probably just kind of thought up on the spot? I, like,
1: I think David wrote it in the script. Okay. You know, it was, it was like, he wrote something in the script about that. Yeah, I pretty much edited that on my own, but I, I probably followed his script. I'm pretty sure that was his idea. Um, but the one thing I want to say is that Basement. I mean that wasn't made up at all his basement looked like that it was just spooky looking i don't know what the hell was going on down there i mean that was his basement we didn't do anything to it it looked like that i mean the upstairs was fine but i don't know what the hell hell's going on in that basement <laughs>
0: nice so so do you know what uh you know during my research on the movie you know i i I found at one point it was signed to a, a video company and then I think in an issue or two later, Dracula and I read that that video company folded and it wasn't going to happen. And so was there ever like, was there ever discussion of you putting it out under the Draculina Cine label or anything like that? Or did it just kind of just kind of fall through the cracks?
1: I guess it just fell through the cracks. I don't remember pushing very hard to take it over. Um, I think he had some things going, but they just never panned out. He wouldn't like go from one place to another. I'm not really sure why it never got picked up. I mean, it was as good as anything else out at the time. So I don't know, but you picked it up.
0: <laughs> yeah. And hey, you know, I did, it's, it started a whole business for me, which is, you know, really cool. And, uh, you know, personally, I love the movie and I mean, I had to re-edit it from scratch pretty much, which was uh, <laughs> pretty difficult, you know, using a work print and, just the elements I could find in my bad VHS copy that I, you know, had that also that dead silence. And I would have never found metal nor except for it's right before dead silence on this tape. And I got this tape from Jay Wolfel and I was like, Oh shit, dead silence. Is that the Hugh Gallagher movie? And, you know, I'm going to watch dead silence and right before it's metal nor. And I'm like, well, what's this? I've never seen this before. And that's kind of.
1: all the other movies I on there. It. I'm sorry. What, what are the what are the other movies on there
0: it's uh actually it's a pretty cool tape it's got lady terminator midnight movie massacre metal Nore, and dead silence <laughs> <laughs> and this was a tape i guess uh jay wolfel had got from i'm forgetting the gentleman's name but he worked at one of those uh genre publications i think it was uh, cinema fantastique i think he was like a writer there a reviewer there and him and jay mm-hmm. used to kind of trade tapes and stuff and that's kind of how Jay ended up with it. And he wanted me to dub a movie off of it for him. And so that's how I ended up with it. And long story yeah. short, but, uh, and you kind of hinted to it. So we're going and kind of, uh, let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Uh, we have discovered kind of the master tapes for it. So, uh, we are hoping to put out a Blu-ray, hopefully sometime next year, if all goes well. And, uh, you know, so keep your eyes out for that. Pretty but good. Meantime, it looked pretty good
1: on my end. It yeah look all right
0: uh-huh yeah it looks good there's still the it's uh you know there's gonna be some issues with the music and the audio. not all that seemed yeah. finished when I watched it, so
1: yeah, I don't know what happened um there's a second audio track on there, but I don't know how to i access it we used to have i used to have this panasonic mixer, two panasonic super v h s editors, and the controller in jr bookwalder somehow came up with a way where you could put this box on it wire it in and you could keep your soundtrack and switch to this other track and record music and shit and i would do that and then you would put the switch in the middle and it would play both of them at the same time i have no idea how i did that now or how he did it or but that's how we used to do it we would edit it all together and so we wouldn't mess up or have to you know anytime you did vhs you would have to do another dupe and another dupe and you'd lose the quality every time so you tried to stay as close to the master as you could so you wouldn't lose quality and he came up with that little fix where you could record music and stuff on a second track and it worked out really well
0: yeah it's kind of interesting because if the tape plays in mono you hear one thing but then if it switches to hi-fi you hear something different so it is it is kind of slightly split and it's definitely it's going to take some work on my end to kind of get it going but i mean i re-edited the movie from scratch once before i'm i'm up for the challenge so I'm I'm excited to get a real nice copy out for people to to enjoy. So,
1: yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty a lot better looking copy, I think.
0: For sure. And and, and I know like so so and actually this brings up kind of a, a great conversational piece is, you know, one I remember when we first kind of talked about it, you were like, "Well, why are you keeping the same edit?" You know, you kind of felt like maybe I should go in there and kind of fix it or, you know, cut out some of the more padding scenes. And I know that, uh, didn't you, you you did do some new re-editing on the Sub-Rosa versions of your movies. Am I, am I wrong or right? Well, there was a different company
1: that was supposed to buy the movies and they gave me money to re-edit Gorgasm. We were going to start with Gorgasm, work our way up. So they gave me money, and I re-edited Gorgasm, and that was like I added new music because like some part of it is because I couldn't find the old music on some of it, oh, and okay. um, I cut it down maybe by ten minutes or so, which the me once once again I thought it ran too long, but uh, and I got that done. I actually I liked the the new edit better than the old one, but and then Sub Rosa came in because this other company just followed up. They were actually going to finance Gorgasm too, also. And then I, I don't know what happened. They spent a shitload of money. I mean, just a bunch of money on posters and all kinds of crap. And then they just went under. And then Sub Rosa came in. I just sold that one. I didn't bother re-editing the other two, which the only reason I would have re-edited the other two, I just tried to maybe get the picture quality a little better. But and I've never understood why Garotica looked so bad because it was shot on the same stuff as the other ones were, but right. it's really grainy looking but it kind of adds to the movie because the movie is kind of a greeny movie. so I mean, For sure, it's...
0: for sure. And, uh, you know, uh, Gorotica is specifically, I mean, that's definitely my favorite of your films. I mean, I used to, I kind of jump between Gorotica and Gorhor. I mean, I, I love them both, but Gorotica is just one of those movies. You know, one thing I, I love about your your movies and I think Gorotica is a great example is it's a great story. You know, you, you have a really great story you know, it's it's simplistic. It's there's not a lot of characters, but there's still a lot kind of going on. So, like when you go, when you would go and make your films, like how much time would you typically spend on your scripts? Because they do seem like they're very like very well thought out.
1: I I think about them for a long time. I mean, for months in advance. I ever actually write anything, I'll think about something, and I'll keep planning and adding stuff in my head, and then I'll finally sit down and write it. I mean. Garotica. The only reason I made that was because Necromantic came out and everybody was going crazy about that. And I mean, it's a well-made movie, but I didn't like it because I thought, well, there's no story. I just didn't like it. I thought Mac could better make a better necrophilia movie, which is a really stupid thing to think. But I thought, and then I started because I like that Love Me Deadly movie from the '70s. That was a really good movie, and I just came up with that idea. And honestly, I wrote it. It was Wake the Dead originally. It was called Wake the Dead. And it was sitting here after Gorgasm, it was sitting here when Mike, Michael McCarthy, you know, asked me if, uh, you know, I wanted him to help make a movie. And I sent him that script and I thought, well, this will be the last I hear from him. And he actually came up with all these people that wanted to do it. So, Right. Except for the, you know, that's the other thing, you know, in, in Gore Horror, where the guy gets his dick cut off, you know, bit off. He was the guy who was supposed to be the dead guy in and Oh,
0: wow.
1: Originally he was the guy who was gonna play the part and he backed out like a week or so beforehand. Oh <laughs> which I don't blame him. Mike got really pissed about it. he was super pissed. He wouldn't even talk to him for a long time. But and then the other guy took over because his name was actually Rod. I don't know what name he went under, but um he came up and he kept saying, you know, we kept trying to talk him into it and he's finally like, Well, I'll do it, but you gotta pay me. I'm like, no, oh, great, here we go. He's like, I want a hundred dollars. I'm like, Okay, you're hired. <laughs> so you know and that's it, a hard and he did a great job it's really probably better the other guy dropped out because i don't think he was kind of more fidgety and more i don't think he could have played it off like that rod did but uh right. you know that's a hard i mean who wants to get naked 10 minutes and you know into the movie and be naked the rest of the movie and i didn't think i was gonna be able to find one to do that and my whole reasoning i don't know what people think about that Then you usually don't have naked guys in a movie throughout the whole thing but my idea was like, well, she strips him down, has sex with him. Why would she put his clothes back on? It didn't make any sense to me. I think, like, why would he put his clothes back on? And I kept thinking, well, if no one's going to be naked, my next idea was I was going to have her dress him up as different things every time he'd be like in a sailor suit one time in a clown outfit. And the next time, you know, each time he got redressed, he would be dressed in some stupid outfit, which literally would have turned it into a comedy, I think. then. But I'm just glad he did it the way he did. Because I think it's, it's definitely a weird movie. And I I thought people would be more upset about the AIDS thing too. And no one really got that upset about it. I was surprised because at that time it was more touchy subject, I guess.
0: Right. And, and, and like you kind of mentioned, I mean, like he, he's pretty much playing a dead guy the entire movie and like, he does a really good job. I mean, he seems very stiff. He seems very, you know, cold. I mean, like the makeup job that was done on him looks really good. And what was there, because he is dead the entire movie was there a lot of problems with like oh shit he's breathing in this take or or anything no, he like was that. like
1: it was just like you know when they they um, pierced his nipple which that wasn't my idea that was his idea right and he wanted to do a bunch more stuff and i, I shut that down because he was wanting all this other stuff to happen I'm like he goes well at least get me the nipple piercing thing i'm like why do you want this for one thing and i really i couldn't even watch i don't you know i do all this horror stuff but i hate real violence i hate real gore or blood. It, Grosses me out and so i set the camera up and i said okay it's set perfectly and then she did it i walked out of the room i didn't even watch it when they do did. i didn't actually see it till i edited it so i'm surprised it was actually in there because i and it was really it was pretty gross and i guess it isn't really that gross but it just I, the idea of pain i don't like pain so but he, i mean how can you play dead when someone's piercing
0: your nipple that's pretty good that's pretty good action all <laughs> right and then uh, obviously, you know, you also have a uh, Getty in there, Getty Chasen, who I know you kind of, uh, you hooked up with her through Donald Farmer, right?
1: Yeah, I couldn't find anyone. Well, I used Donald a lot. I was always contacting Donald. I'd run ideas past him. I'd run, you know, he, he sold Gerotica, maybe Gorhor too, to a couple foreign countries. I mean, he, he'd make up package deals and he'd call me up and say, hey, I can get your movie in this and you want the, you know, X amount of dollars or whatever, we'd do it. But yeah, he was great about finding people, and you know, I, I sent him that script, and I said, you know, you, you know anybody? And he came up with her, and yeah, he was really good about finding people to be and stuff like that. I mean, he's still making stuff, so he's still good at it.
0: Right. And uh, so, so what was what was it like uh, working with Getty?
1: Once again, she's a, a really nice person. She's very professional. Um, yeah, I mean, she was she was really into the part, and she played it really well. Um, yeah, I don't know. She, uh, we were at the Chicago Underground Film Festival, and I was just, I was there. I had a table there, and they were going to show Veronica and she she came down. I think she was living in Chicago then. And we sat in the back of the theater to watch this movie, and I thought it was really funny because she's like a really, you know, kind of take charge person, and you know, in control she was nervous as hell she was like a little girl back there it was i thought it was really funny I thought, why are you nervous <laughs> but you know because i always feel weird when they're showing my movie. I'm like oh great here, here we go but geronica's always showed pretty well i mean the first time he showed it was right after it was done we showed this bar in memphis so i went back with the movie and they showed him this big projection screen on the front of the bar and it was literally packed i mean the place probably couldn't hold 150 people i know there's at least that many or more in there it was just packed wall to wall and the tv went out and they couldn't fix it they asked me to go up and try to fix it if i got fixed and i couldn't get back i was stuck in the front and nothing's worse than watching your own movie in the very front row on the floor while everyone's behind you i thought man these people hate this they can just kill me right now but it was weird as like when she got shot in the head, everybody cheered and i kind of felt bad about that i was like wow that was just kind of a weird reaction but <laughs> I don't know. It went over really well though. Everyone liked it. And it was it was pretty good,
0: right? And the other lead was uh, John Michael McCarthy, who's also a filmmaker in his own right. And I know you also worked on his movie *Damn Elvis*. And was yeah. *Damn now was that shot after *Gorodica*? Yeah, um, See, I get all
1: these dates mixed up. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it might have been shot after *Goror* i Think we shot that was the deal. He was going to do the work for me on Gorhor, finding people and locations and stuff, and then I was going to shoot Dan Zilvis. So I think we shot Gorhor first. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure that was first. And it it was a bad, I mean, Gorhor was a bad shoot, and it might have been the other way around. I really can't remember. It was a long time ago, but um, Gorhor was a bad shoot. I know no one was getting along on Gorhor for some reason, I don't know why. And, by the end of it I was ready to leave I mean I was just so sick of it that scene we actually shot the final scene that was the final scene we shot where the guy gets his legs cut off right and we were out in this garage shooting that and I was just ready to leave I was just so pissed I mean there was so many things going on things going wrong and stuff I'm like and luckily Robert Walters the guy was producing it it he financed half of it he was standing there and luckily he talked me he's like man we just got to finish this get this done we got done like four in the morning. I just got in my truck and just drove home and I was supposed to edit damn selfless too. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not editing this. I, you know, I shot it. Here you go. Cause they still had to shoot more stuff. And I don't know, we, we kind of had a falling out, you know, and I've talked to Michael since then, and you know, we're fine now. We honestly, neither one of us can remember what we were even fighting about now. So I think it was for probably just, you know, working, you know, 12, 16 hours a day on a movie over day after day, you just kind of get, burnout and start getting under everybody's nerves sure good yeah i mean he's michael's A michael's got a very big ego so that that was always a problem but i like him He I mean, he's a really good artist and he's he knows what he wants and i like that i like he knows what he wants all the time he's you know, he's stuck i mean if he if he's something he he's very dedicated and he's I'm actually surprised he hasn't gone farther than he has. He's...
0: Oops. Cutting out a little bit here, Hugh. Yeah. Oops. Okay. You're back. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, and uh, you, you, we kind of jumped into gore horror as well. And, uh, you know, uh, definitely the person who sticks out in that movie for sure is is Audrey Street. I presume that's definitely a pseudo name. Um, yeah. and, and I've heard you tell some stories about her, but uh, I'd love for you to share some of that stuff with kind of our podcast audience here. Can you kind of tell us about that film and working with her?
1: Well, I mean, I actually met her at the when we were showing Gerotica at that bar. Afterwards, people cleared out and they started dancing and stuff. And she was dancing out for some reason. I was really drunk too, though, but she was... I don't know, something about the way she dances. I mean, she's pretty good. And she came up and she, we started talking. And I said, you know, what we were doing next, we're going to do gore horror. And she was really interested. And I thought, well, this ought to be great. And for some reason, I hired her. Then, I mean, we made the commitment then. But she isn't, she's not a bad actress. But I, I just always felt that she didn't have an idea what was acting, and what was real, because it just got a scary. Times she would like have knives and stuff. I was afraid she was going to hurt somebody. But, know and she had that i forget that's whatever it's called with the concave chest i didn't know about that and then she got naked in the in the you know when we were doing the graveyard scene right she got naked for the first time there which i mean like that movie we were just shooting in a graveyard right by the road right by the cars are driving by i mean (laughs) i don't know how we didn't get arrested but you know and she took her shirt off you know and i've never even heard of that condition before i guess it's a condition i never heard of and i'm like holy crap, and everybody's looking at each other because no one else knew either, I guess. And I'm like, well, she is playing a $10 hooker, so I guess that kind of matches up really good. But, I mean, she had no qualms about it, so we just kept moving on. But, like, my favorite scene with her, though, I've probably talked about that before, is when she's sitting on the floor with her legs and that bottle of blood between her legs, sitting on the floor, and we kept circling. <laughs> that guy's behind me with branches in the shadows that looked like leaves and stuff floating in it. I don't know. I just really love that shot. She was very very she I don't know, I think she fit the part perfectly, really. I mean, I'm glad I ended up getting her because but she definitely she was kind of scary. Now that lesbian scene, when she had the knife and I was really scared she was gonna stab the girl, so I got on her knees with the camera and have her stand put stabbed towards the camera and I thought I was gonna get it. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if she's ever done anything else.
0: Have you ever seen her in anything else? No, I haven't. I mean, she definitely her performance definitely sticks out in the film, though. And and like you said, it's funny you mentioned that you kind of discovered her with her dancing because that's what another great scene in that movie is when she's kind of doing the, all the dancing, you know, during the the band sequence. Yeah,
1: she's like a snake or something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, and that's
1: and that's Michael and the band. That was their band. I think they're called the Third Graders or something. They wrote that song and the, and we had that club, and everybody always goes on whoa. There was a club and nobody's in it. It, wasn't, it was supposed to be them practicing. I guess I didn't make that clear, but they were just supposed to be practicing in the club. It wasn't supposed to be like an audience there, which right. actually now I think back, would have been a lot cooler if there would have been an audience there. Um, but she was really freaked out about that, too. You know, she gets shot, and you can kind of see a flame there. Or it catches on fire. Oh, man, that scared the crap out of her. Right. She didn't want anything to do with anything after that. That might have been the last night we were shooting. I'm not sure probably close to it. No, we shot the, yeah you know, the, that might have been the last night we shot with her. Right.
0: And then kind of after that, that was kind of really your last film except for Exploding Angel, which I know was kind of started but never finished. Um, and that sounds like a. I, I know you put out some of the footage recently online, and I checked that out. And uh, it's kind of cool, you know, to see Gunnar Hansen and all that. Kind of, how, how did that project kind of just kind of fall apart? Was it just, you know, you kind of started it and it just, the funding wasn't there? Or just, there was issues yeah, well, with the butte? Well, I'm, like I said, I met Robert Walters through
1: Draculina. He was in Texas, and we started Ill Texas. I was in Illinois, and he was in Texas. And he was putting up half the money for the stuff, and then we would make money we really we never took any money out, really garage made money, we stuck it back into gorehorn, and then that made money, and then we took that when we dumped it all into exploding angel, and then we went to Texas to shoot because he was out there, and it was this David was a guy that ran he actually worked at a video studio, I and mean, he was like, "Oh, it was beta cam stuff, and it was much higher caliber than I'd been working with before and I don't know. It's it's it just didn't. I think I would have been better off. If I would have just kept it on my own level and just kept control of stuff. Yeah, it's everything took a lot longer and I don't know. And it sucks too because I mean I had some pretty good names in there, you know, Gunnar Hansen and then Amy Lindsay and Scott Shaw, and it would have been a good movie. Now the movie I saw the script. I found it not too long ago and it's it's really dated now. It wouldn't even work now because of the computers and stuff. But back then you know it was a pretty good idea i thought right we had car chasing i don't, I don't know what happened to the car chase but i had a couple of cars in that i wrecked too <laughs> i don't know what happened to those or i don't know what happened to that footage either i mean i just found that footage when i was looking for stuff for you i was like I don't know, this, this place has got so much junk everywhere i don't know <laughs>
0: Well, you've done so much. I mean, you know, it, especially, you know, even with Draculina and all that, I can imagine all the people you've met over the years and, and talked to over the years. I mean, I was just flipping through some issues, uh, kind of getting ready for our interview. And I mean, there's just, I mean, there's pictures of you with just about everyone you know, and, and, in great interviews and, you know, while you were doing the magazine, like I said, you, you met so many people you'd, Converse with so many people. Was there any people that kind of ended up really like experiences that really stuck out to you that were kind of maybe special or maybe led to like kind of friendships with people and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, there were a lot of a lot of the scream queens at the time. You know, I, I would work with them and we'd put out special things and it would help them. You know, because they were always doing the conventions and stuff, and I'd get a magazine. I was just watching. And I know you like up all night. Mm-hmm. I was, there's an episode of Up All Night where Deborah Lamb's on there and she's got an issue with Draculina. I just saw that the other day. I thought that was kind of interesting. I remember seeing that. Nice. But I, almost everyone, her, Rhonda Shearer and um, somebody else that was on, Monique Gabriel, I interviewed all of them. They were all in Draculina. There's a lot of people. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty cool. I mean, the Larissa McComas thing was kind of sad. Uh, and she, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if she some say she committed suicide some people some people say she got murdered by her boyfriend i don't know but it's kind of weird and i feel weird about that now because she used to call me like i'm a late night person anyway but she called me like at two in the morning and just talk and it'd be about just weird stuff and I, you know I, I guess i wasn't picking up on the signs i should have picked up on the signs i guess i don't know because i only met her a couple times in person but for some reason she would call and when my number changed, she asked My dad who has the same name, and she called my dad trying to get my phone number to call me, which was kind of weird. But, and I don't know. She was. It's it's sad that she got you know what happened. To her. Yeah.
0: I just I just saw her. Gosh, what I was watching the other day. I just saw her in a movie just the other day. Some uh, '80s bikini movie. I can't think of the title off the top of my head, but I saw her in that. Yeah. So. um you know, kind of after Exploding Angel and all that, I know you kind of got into producing and working with Jess Franco, and uh, kind of how how did you start working with Jess Franco? Well, that's kind of weird because I am,
1: um, actually, Peter Ivanko is like one of the producers on that. He was a friend of mine, and he was going to help me finance the Dracula movie I'd written a script, and I was going to make a Dracula movie, which was definitely going to be my biggest thing yet, you know. And... Then Kevin Collins, who's another friend of mine from New York that helped me with Dracula, and edited a lot of stuff. Um, he hooked up with Jess Franco and said, you know, I got Jess Franco. He wants to make a movie, we can make this movie. So he put some money in. I put some money in. Well, it wasn't enough money. So I ended up asking Peter if he wanted to get in on it, which now I kind of regret because now the you know the money went away from the Draculina thing to that. And we made tender flesh and You know, I hooked him up with Amber Newman, and and, I don't know, just kind of snowballed from there, which was weird. I mean, Jess was an interesting guy. Um, I can remember one time we were in England, and we were at this pub, and it was was like a long table with a bunch of people eating and drinking and stuff, and he was having three conversations at once, one in English, one in Spanish, and one in German. And it wasn't like, you know, I'm talking to this guy, and now I'm going to talk to this guy. It was three people at once just going back and forth. I'm like. I don't even know how he does it. I think he knew like one or two more languages besides that. And it was like, there was no hesitation though. I always thought that was interesting. Right. And Lena, yeah. Lena Romay, she was like super, you would think she would be really kind of wild. She was really, she was a calm person. She was, you know, very mild compared to Jess. <laughs> but those two were always together. They were always together. Right.
0: And, and so like, uh, you know, a few of those movies, like uh lust for Frankenstein and Marie, and the killer tarantula I know had like Michelle Bauer and then Linnea Quigley. So was that kind of hooked up through you because of your contacts with all the scream Queens with Draculina?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, it, it kind of hooked them up with them, but after tender flesh, I mean, my name's on the other two, but I really had nothing to do with those other two. Oh. I did tender flesh and that, that was just, you know, it was, it was constant I mean, we were constantly going back and forth. Wiring money, you know, figuring out things, getting people doing this, doing that. We weren't actually on there while they were shooting, but it, it was kind of a nightmare. And I didn't want to do it anymore after that. I'm like, man, because it, I mean, in the end, I ended up getting all my money back and making some money, but not very much, but I didn't lose on it. But, you know, it really wasn't worth the effort that was put into it. I mean, it was like, at the end, the movie's done. And Jess was throwing a big fit about wanting to put Dolby stereo on it. And you know, they have to have a Dolby guy come I in. You have to pay him five thousand dollars just to have the Dolby, you know, thing on there. I'm like, we don't need that. What kind of movie is? It? No one gives a shit if it's Dolby Stereo. But Kevin always gave Jess whatever he wanted, so <laughs> he ended up getting it. But I don't know. It I thought the movie turned out really well. One thing I'll say for Jess, that thing was shot on super sixteen millimeter cam you know, millimeter film. And Nobody else could shoot a movie on film like that for the amount of money he had. I mean, it wasn't that much money, and, and it looks really good. I mean, so I mean, he can make movies and he can make them cheap, and I don't <laughs> think anybody else could make them the way he did. But he just had so many connections that a lot of people just did stuff for free for him. I
0: think. Right. Well, I mean, and he's pretty much married to the leading lady, you know. Yeah. <laughs> with Lena, so. But,
1: you know, that was I think was my problem too. I mean. I mean i really like lena but i thought she was too old to be doing what she was doing right. it didn't really work anymore as opposed to when she was young when she was like super hot you know everybody when they get older you know they just can't do the same thing they did when they're you know 20 and 30 years old but you know she enjoyed doing it but i just didn't think it looked that great and i don't know i just i just felt that she was taking it too long and i really hated Plus for Frankenstein, I really hate that movie. And it's just I, I really wish Michelle Bauer would have never done that movie. Michelle Bauer's a super nice person too. I was, um, when I did conventions, I would take different screen queens to conventions with me and I took her to the one in, at Chiller's. I was like an early chiller too. And um, you know that was the first time I actually met her in person. And I got a crappy voice and she said, well, you know, when I talked to you on the phone. I thought you were gonna look like Mr. Weatherby from the Archie comic. I'm like, oh, sweet, thanks. <laughs> So we, we go to the hotel, and um, Michael Shooter was with me. He runs this um, uh, Michelle Bauer uh, fanzine at the time. We get to the hotel. We go to our room. She goes to her room, and I get this phone. and says, this is the front desk. Um, your credit card's been denied. I'm like, shit, what's going on? What well, was Michelle calling me, trying to choose this. That's how she was. She was just crazy. She would just do shit like that. And it was She was a lot of fun, though. She was, and she posed in the Draculina outfit. And people come up and ask herself, you know, can you come over and do this? And she go. Well, I don't know. You have to ask Hugh. I'll do whatever Hugh says. I won't do it and because he's paying me to be here. I, I do what he said. And she was really cool. You know, I went to a lot with Deborah Lamb. She was really nice. I was with her in California and Cynthia Rothrock. That was really neat. There was a lot of actresses I was around. It was pretty cool. Right. I mean, I mean, now they, I guess their names don't mean as much, but back in the day, they were hot stuff.
0: Those old guys they do. <laughs> <laughs> And yes. so you mentioned the Draculina movie and uh was there ever like did you have a specific uh, actress that you would have liked to see play that part?
1: Uh, not really. I mean I, Suzette Schwent was you know the one Dracula met in number 28. She was super nice. She was hot. She was um in Chicago. And she did conventions with me several times. It was funny. She came to me. Well, I live close to St. Louis. I'm in Illinois, but I'm closer to St. Louis, Missouri. And we did a comic convention there, and she came down. And she put the outfit on. We went in there, and they weren't going to let us be in there because of her outfit. They wouldn't let us sit in the front. they like, well, you can't sit here. We've got kids coming in. we got, like, and they were going to try to kick us out. I'm like, I paid for the table. I don't understand. And I was like, well, you can stay, but you got to take the table way in the back. So we go, we go all the way in the back. What was so funny is the kids loved her. I mean, little kids just absolutely loved her. And parents were taking their pictures of her with there. And it's like, it was just funny because it's like, there's no one that met Suzette that didn't love her. I mean, she was a super, super sweet person, super upbeat. Everything was positive. It was just, it was nice being around her. Was, you, know, you know, me and my wife were, were around. We took her out to eat the night before. And it was weird. She's like, oh, can we go to a strip club? I'm like. What kind of request is that? Like, I've never taken my wife to a strip club before. <laughs> we ended up going to a strip club that night. and It was really weird. <laughs> she got on stage and, of course, she became friends with every one of the strippers there. It was weird. But she, she's like, everywhere she goes, she could go into a, you know, to, with a bunch of nuns and they'd all love her when she left. It was just, she was just that kind
0: of person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing I definitely wanted to ask you about was the Draculina Sine kind of mail order. Label, and uh, I know like a lot of people, like Joe Sherlock and Damon Foster and and various people, had their movies kind of distributed early on by by that by that label. How did that exactly work out? Did they did they send you the tapes, or did you guys you know pro- mass produce the tapes for sale? Like how how did that work out? Yeah, I would I was actually just I mean
1: not that many people bought them. Most of them were like shorts, you know, and right. I had actually had a setup. I had a, I had a super VHS and then I had a an amplifier and I had like five VHS tape players stacked up and I'd run my own copies all the time. And we just made them as we sold them. Gotcha. I didn't really ever mass produced. I did Orgasm. I mass produced that, but in like orgasm, I there were a couple of distributors that wanted it, but I could tell I was never going to get any money. So I didn't really, I thought it was just a, you know, I, I, I never was one person that just was anxious to say, Oh, I want to see my movie on a, you know, in a video store. It wasn't that important to me. So, right. So I'm glad I stayed it for myself and just did it myself. Cause I ended up doing a lot better with it on my own. Right. Yeah, those movies, like all those things. I mean, like with Damon. I mean, when I was doing Draculina, when it started taking, when it took off, I started looking for other publications because I thought well I should start doing other magazines. So I just started looking at stuff that I liked. And Oriental Cinema was something I liked. And he actually approached me because he was about ready to quit. He says, I can't do this anymore because I'm running out of money. And he was actually doing it at his office at a Xerox machine. And I mean, he was just doing it right there. And I finally said, Well, I'll lay it out, you know, I'll give you a percentage of it and I'll, I'll distribute it. And the thing sold great. I mean, we both made a lot of money on it. She was one the of the magazine She was one I really liked. And he was out of, Cameron was out of Canada. It took me months to talk him into that and that went really well too and there were a lot of publications i did the best of spider times and killing Moon, and i did my own pinup which i was trying to be i guess hugh hefner hugh gallagher hugh hefner kind of thing where i was doing and i had guys doing photography and all kinds of shit and that one never it it did okay but it never did great and sirens of cinema is my chance to try to go mainstream and that did not fly at all i mean it did okay but it it definitely was no money maker i think if i went back now i would have just put all my focus on draculina only it was really the mail order business that kept me going because i was selling i mean i don't know if you've seen those later catalogs but i mean I had like 50 or 60 pages of movies and magazines and books and all kinds of stuff but you know that was before the internet where you can buy anything anywhere now back then it was pretty much me (laughs)
0: right well what's crazy now is a lot of that stuff you, you see you know in, in the draculina's and the other magazines you know you see them at the price tags of ten dollars or you know maybe some of the pricier ones are like 30 bucks for the time but it's like a lot of that stuff now sells for three four hundred five hundred dollars yeah. it's it, it, absolutely insane yeah i mean yeah, even especially your films your movies especially i know like gerotica gore Horror. i mean i'm I'm very lucky. I still have, you know, my old copies, but I, I know these are like worth a ton of money now. You know, it's just very crazy. Yeah.
1: What's really sad is that I had the storage building full of shit and it was like, I mean, it was, it was like the size of a two car garage. It was just packed to the ceiling with stuff. And I finally had to like start getting rid of crap. So I was getting rid of stuff and somehow the boxes of all those, those DVD, I mean, not DVD, the VHS covers, I probably had, I don't know, two or three boxes of each movie and just not folded. Right. They got thrown away somehow. Uh, they're all gone, yeah, which really sucks. Cause, I mean, I could have been still making VHS copies, but I'm not going to go remake those covers. Which I really didn't like the garage cover. That one turned out kind of crappy. Uh, J.R. Bookwalter was the one that used to, you would send him the stuff and he would get them made somewhere. He got them done really cheap. I don't know where, but he would get the boxes made for you
0: right and so and so so yeah you you kind of mentioned jr a few times and kind of how he helped you out with things and i know he was kind of you know in the early days working with like dave Dakota and, and cinema home video and all of that so so jr kind of also helped you out kind of in your early days of kind of getting your movies out there and producing covers and stuff yeah he was a good guy to go to for covers. and he was actually told me where to get him
1: um duplicated at he found a really inexpensive place to get them duplicated um yeah i mean i don't know i don't know if it was different then or if it's just everything's changed with the internet and stuff but back then it would be like a core of people that you would just oh i need this you talk to this guy how do you do this or how do you do that and they would tell you and they say oh you know when i did this i did that and i was like everybody was kind of working together you know anytime you could help someone out you just did and it was you know, everyone kind of took a little pride. Oh, I got that made, you know. <laughs> you probably didn't have anything to do with it and say, well, you got to do this. And then, but it was kind of cool just to see something get done. Because, you know, I don't, making movies, I think it's easier now probably. Well, it's still got its you know difficulties, but it's, I don't know, just to just start a movie, write it and then make it and then get it completely done. That's a job. Even if it's a shitty movie, it's still a job. I mean, it's a freaking job. I don't think a lot of people realize that they watch a movie and think, "God, oh, this is a piece of crap. It's like, yeah, it probably took them months to get that piece of crap together. And they probably, you know, were sweating their asses off trying to get it done.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause I,
1: I mean, I wonder how many movies, you know, got halfway done and they're just sitting, I mean, like the exploding angel, you know, that, that
0: sucks. You know, that would have, that would have been a great
1: movie if it would have been finished.
0: Well, you know, and then you got people who would get movies that were unfinished and then kind of hodgepodge them together and make new movies. And I find movies like that really interesting. I know Joe Sherlock did that with a couple movies, like we need earth women and stuff like that. <laughs> Have you ever thought of maybe, you know, getting some of that, that unfinished footage and uh, trying to gonna do something with it?
1: Not with exploding angels. It'd be too difficult. I mean, that's pretty much what I did with the Eldridge when I made it into ashes to slash it. I took what video we shot and I wrote a new story called Ashes to Slashes that I gave to the guy from Wave Video, Gary, and he shot stuff. And I mean, the two just didn't mesh together at all. I mean, you could tell like these are two completely different movies being stuck together. And it was, it sucked. I mean, it was, it's it a good thing. But, You know, I found a movie when I was looking for stuff for you. I found a movie called Bloodsend. Have you ever heard of that? I have not, no. This is a Mandy Lay. You remember Mandy Lay? Mm-mm. It's Bill Randolph is, he, he would, well, Bill Randolph is a weird guy, but he had Mandy Lay. Actually, Mandy Lay has a small part in Blood Lips. I mean, Red Lips. What oh, is okay. okay. Yeah, she has a small part in that. What is it called? I forgot now.
0: Red Lips, yeah.
1: Yeah, Red Lips, yeah. yeah. Um, And she has a small part in that. Well, she's the lead in this, along with Julie Wallace. And it's, it's a hokey movie, but it's actually pretty good it's like an hour and a half long it's a feature-length movie and it's nice it's it's better than a lot of the movies it's, i see and i end up watching the whole thing i thought man this is... he ended up sending me the director's cut because i guess julie wallace was naked and she didn't want to be naked in the movie so i got the naked version but <laughs> and but that guy he was like a super good photographer but then i don't know he ended up getting thrown in prison i don't even sure if he's still alive. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that get, has shady past that like Bill Randolph and who's uh, the other guy? The guy that was connected with the original Cannibal Hookers, he he had a shady past too. Gary Levinson. Yeah, I think he was in prison Yeah, I've Heard about
0: Gary Levinson, yeah.
1: And he died too,
0: I guess. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah. But. Oh. Of the of those kind of you know obviously you kind of mentioned that movie and and there's got to be you know some some movies that you know I, I'm guessing because you know the, the sad thing about a lot of these movies and and one thing I try to do is like I feel a lot of these movies are being lost to time you know what I mean like they they, they kind of had their moment in the '90s when the mail order catalogs were kind of doing well and all that and now a lot of those movies are pretty much forgotten about and if it wasn't for companies like Sub Rosa and I. I don't want to put my company up there, but, you know, other kind of boutique labels putting this stuff out. I think a lot of these movies would be forgotten. Are there any kind of movies that you really remember that you just like really liked a lot back then that probably haven't really gotten their, their uh, just desserts, so to speak? Well,
1: Bloodson, (laughs) I just (laughs) told you about that one. Definitely was pretty good. Mandy Lay was really an attractive girl. I mean, she's, but, yeah, I I've heard a lot of stories about what happened to her. About she just kind of disappeared after Bill Randolph disappeared. Man, I can't think. Um, Debbie does Damnation.
0: Did you see that? I haven't seen it. I've heard of it though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There was a lot. Um, I don't know. It's hard to remember all the titles now.
0: Sure, there were so many. But yeah, I think.
1: Yeah. You know, some of them should have been lost. I guess. <laughs> like all you know, remember all the Nick Zed movies and what was who's the other underground guy? Um, who's the guy that sewed up the vagina? It was it a movie where he sews up the this girl's vagina?
0: I don't think I know that one. <laughs> was it
1: Richard Kern?
0: Oh, maybe, maybe it could have been a Richard Kern. That sounds like something he would do.
1: I I met him at an underground film festival and surprisingly he's a super nice guy. But they showed his movie, you know, they were showing it on film. And I'm like in there like and the girl, I can't remember her name, that had it done, was talking about it. And she goes, Yeah, I always thought about having my vagina sewn up. And I am like, Who would think that? <laughs> Why would you think? And they actually did it. And I was like, oh my God, that's got to hurt. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I used to sell a lot of movies and I started getting, you know, bringing movies from Japan. They got some nasty bondage movies over there. I mean, really nasty. And, was the last stuff I got in? I could not watch. I'd start to watch. I'm like, oh, this is not for me. <laughs> I, mean, right. I I don't really like the real stuff. And it's like, I sold so much stuff that was crazy. It was like such a spectrum of things. I sold a lot of wave movies. I mean, I sold a ton of wave movies. Right. Which I mean, well,
0: I mean, what do you think of wave movies? You know, they're obviously. I think they have their audience. I, I've seen a handful that that I think are, are are all right, but a lot of them to me, it's just kind of too fetishistic. You know, it's I don't mm-hmm. enjoy just watching girls play in mud or, you know, <laughs> being fake drowned, but there's definitely some filmmakers and, you know, uh, some of Gary's stuff is cool. And I like some of Dave Castillo and stuff. And, you know, so there, there's, there's some, there's some good ones, but uh, gosh, I mean, they produce so many movies, you know, I mean, uh, what, know, I always always was always that way with, the movies? with
1: EI too, you know, with independent cinema, the, the lesbian stuff, um, yeah. it, I mean, everything was shot super well. Everything looked awesome, but it was basically, okay, let's take, it was basically softcore porn That's all it was because they were doing the same thing porn people do. They take whatever's a popular title and just change it into a sex title and, you know, put a bunch of lesbians. (laughs) But I mean, I guess he he had a really good business going there. I mean, they distributed tender flesh, which they did okay. And like I said, I got my money back, but it didn't make a ton of money by any means. Are they still in business? I don't, are they? Yeah, yeah, they're still going. They're still going. Huh?
0: I don't think they're doing as much these days as far as producing. I think they're mainly just picking up titles. But yeah, they're still going.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, I interviewed Mike, but that was a long time ago. And I mean, he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's a yeah. He definitely knows how to run a business. That's for sure.
0: Right. So when he took over the alternative cinema after. uh, You've got that from JR. Yeah. Interesting to see the the change of the magazine for like the third time. (laughs) (laughs) I was like Screen Queens Illustrated. I bought that out and
1: you know, when all the publishing started going down, they contacted me and said, You want to buy the magazine? I'm like, you know, why would I want to buy the magazine? I got Draculina. And then I started thinking about that, well, somebody else is gonna buy it and then that's gonna be competition. So I ended up buying it and we drove to Pittsburgh to get it. Well, we flew to Pittsburgh and my wife and I rented a U-Haul because I bought all their back stock and the rights to the title. Right. And we had all this shit back in a U-Haul. We got stuck in a rest stop at about 4 a.m. We saw some wild shit that night. And then we finally got home and I put the first issue. And I kind of turned it into the focus magazine I used to have where I just focused on one person. Right. And Michael Schuda, a friend of mine had all these photos of Michelle Bauer that were nude photos that had never been published and I used that in the first issue and that first issue paid for everything. I mean, paid for me buying the magazine, everything. It was like, wow. and it sold out instantly. So I actually liked the new Scream Queens Illustrated that I did. I did not really care for the old one, but the new one I thought was pretty good.
0: So <laughs> already, I did like you what issue you kind of took over the publication of that one?
1: With Scream Queens, it was issue 24. Okay. Yeah, it was like, that you know, was the Michelle Bauer one then the next one I know I did a Larissa McComas one, uh I can't remember all of them, Darian Kane. I think Misty Monday. Most of them sold out. They were it was, it was a pretty nice looking magazine.
0: Right. Yeah, one one thing I loved about kind of Scream Queens Illustrators is, is is it was kind of like the Playboy of Kind of horror magazines. I mean, Draculina also had like centerfolds and stuff, but Screen Queens magazine was pretty much like just naked girls, naked girls, <laughs> naked girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That's that's why I changed it. I, I didn't want it to look like Draculina either, so that's why I changed it kind of into focusing on one person. Right. But you know, that was one funny story I wanted to tell you about. Only I was in Spain with the Jess Franco thing. Uh, Amber Newman, you know who Amber Newman. is yep. That and I don't know what all she went on to after that. I know she did all those those two next movies of Jess Franco's, but I'm not sure what she did after that. Yeah, I don't know. We of. were we were there for some film. I don't. Know, I guess they were showing the film there or something. And they had some big table where they were showing where they were going to do conversation. I was up there with Jess Franco, Lena Romay, Kevin Collins, Amber Newman. I'm not a public speaker. I'm a horrible speaker. And you know they asked me like five questions I'm stumbling around you know I'm not answering anything right and but that whole time Amber she's like she's I don't know, for some reason she wasn't into it. we're coming back to the hotel she's like she was with her mom too her mom came also she's like she goes we got to do something you know, I can't stand it she goes I heard they have gambling here you like to gamble like, I like to play blackjack so she's like oh we should go gambling tonight so I'm thinking okay cool you know I'll go gambling I don't know off and on all day she said oh, we're gonna go gambling tonight right and I said yeah sure so we get back to the hotel. So I'll meet you down the lobby. I get down the lobby, and she's arguing with this desk guy. She's—I mean, she's just having this screaming argument with this guy because all of her, her money, her, her passport, her license—all got stolen out of her room, both her and her mom. And she was accusing this guy behind the desk of stealing it. I'm thinking this guy's being all cocky, you know, like foreign guys kind of get cocky with Americans, and he was being all cocky and. She got up, and she's a small person. She got up on the desk and punched this dude in the face. I mean, co this guy. She says, my fucking stuff ain't back in the room in an hour and a half. You know, I'm going to do this, this. She was going off on him, and it's like, I'm standing there like, holy shit. And I call Kevin up, and I'm like, man, something, you got to get down here. Something's going on." And I end up calling the, the manager, and she came. And by the time the manager got there, all her stuff was back in her room. These guys actually stole her stuff. They put it back in the room. I mean, she, this guy was scared of her. And I was just like, man. I wish I was like that. I wish I was that kind of person like, you know, this is what I think and fuck you. <laughs> I just, I just, she was right. And I just thought that was really awesome. The way she just like took charge and just punched this dude right in the face. And she was right. She got her shit back. <laughs> it
0: was pretty <laughs> funny. Nice. So yeah. uh, I was going to say, you know, with uh, Draculina and the other magazines, like obviously, you know, publishing kind of had hit its peak at at, at some point. And, and you know, the, you started kind of slowing down with the publications. Um, what do you, what kind of, do you feel kind of killed the magazine era? Because not only was your magazine, you know, a lot of the other magazines at the time slowly kind of started disappearing that focused on more independent horror and stuff like that. What, what do you think kind of really started to kind of yeah. cause the, the downfall of kind of the print publications? It
1: was definitely the internet. I mean... Like I said, Screen Queens went down and I bought them out. What kept me going as long as I did was the mail order. And then, you know, eventually the internet kind of killed that too. And I probably should have stopped a year or two before I did, but I kept trying to hang on, you know, like an idiot. And I don't know. Because I, I, mean, I mean, I made some good money for several years off all that stuff because I was putting a lot of crap out. I, I honestly don't know how I was doing it. Cause I was doing majority of the stuff myself and I would hire people to help. And then they would give me the stuff. And I'm like, this is no good. And I'd redo it. So I thought I'm not hiring anybody. I'm going to end up redoing it anyway. So I just did everything. You know, I would just have writers and photographers and stuff like that, but I was piecing everything together. And, and I, I don't know how I did it. Cause I can't get shit done now. I don't, I get up in the day, and like the day's over and like, what the fuck happened? I'm just the day's over with already. Right? I didn't get anything done. I don't know how you do what you're doing. I mean, you're putting out all these DVDs. I'm like, how is he putting out all the shit all the time?
0: <laughs> That's crazy. It's gotta be a lot of work. Oh, it's a ton of work and and same deal. I pretty much do everything myself. I mean, every little thing on a disc, I pretty much make, the only thing I don't do is the art, you know? So, and sometimes I actually do the art. So <laughs> when I, when I commission art, you know, I, I I have an artist that does that, but for the most part, you know, it's, and it's tough, you know, it's, it's definitely tough. I think you definitely have to have a, a passion for it. And obviously you had a passion for, you know, your publications as well and what you were doing.
1: I did. I mean, you know, cause I was working a regular job, you know, 40 hours a week. And then when I wasn't doing that, I was doing kind of like what you're doing. You know, I was doing my stuff at home. And when I started doing it all the time, it was like, you know, you were working all the time. You were just, I mean, I had two girls that I raised too. you know, my wife in, I'm a night owl anyway, so, you know, they get up in the morning, I'd take them to school, I'd work on shit, and I'd pick them up from school, do stuff with them until they went to bed, and then I'd stay up all night working on shit, and right. I was, you know, which sounds like really weird, well, this guy putting out Draculina and he's raising kids, and i said sounds kind of stupid, but, I mean, it was great, because, and it was great working for yourself, because, you know, if something came up, it's like, oh, you want to do this? Yeah, let's go do that, and we just take off, so I, it was definitely, it was a good 15-year run, I'm not used to now I'm working a regular job again. It sucks. I don't like regular jobs. I don't like keeping regular hours.
0: <laughs> for sure. So any, any, I, I know there was talk for a while and you, and you kind of alluded to it earlier at one point, there was going of talk of doing a gorgasm too, or, uh, you know, making another feature. And I know that kind of fell apart, but ha- have you, have you thought about, you know, do you possibly want to make another feature someday? Or are you kind of like, Hey, I'm kind of over it. I did my thing. I want to. I mean, I wrote a whole Corvette,
1: uh movie. I mean, I wrote that whole script. And there's another movie that I got, but it's really heavy effects. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you can't do, C- Oh, you could do CGI, but I really don't want to. Right. I mean, it's really like a lot of effects in it. So I'm not sure how hard that would be. I, I have so many movie ideas. It's crazy. I mean, like I, I keep digging through stuff and I find these, just folders full of scripts that i wrote and i forgot all about them I'm like holy crap i forgot about this story i'm glad i wrote them down because i probably would forgot about them completely but <laughs> there's so many you know and i'm not running across around a couple across a couple that were crap but most of them are like oh, these are good ideas i could really expand on this but it, like i said you know it's really hard to make a movie and finding the people that are dedicated they're really going to show up and not just oh that's great let's make a movie and then they get there and they find oh, wow this is actually work i don't want to do this
0: right.
1: <laughs> like, that always happens you know it's like well what am i waiting for let's just shoot this and get it, it takes a while to set stuff up you know so, mm-hmm. plan it out i don't know
0: i love the same deal i've started so many projects you'll, you'll you'll find someone new who's really excited about working with you and what you're doing and and then you get them on set And there's a lot of waiting around. There's a lot of, I mean, you know what it's like on set. And they don't come back the second day, and then your project's, you know, tanked. I mean.
1: Yeah, that's really hard. I mean, you know, like with Gorgas, I mean, that's happened on Dead Silence. Like, people kept dropping out. That's why when Gorgasm, I brought her in from New York, and I brought Rick in from Pennsylvania, and they were in the hotel. They couldn't go anywhere. I was like, (laughs) you can't do anything unless I take you there. So they were kind of my, you know. (laughs) i I had them captured but i mean gorgasm was a great movie though i mean because everybody on there got along and it was just so much fun i mean we were just laughing the whole time we were just having a good time and that movie's not as good it's i think i was trying to go from a of a commercial angle i guess but i don't know and that's why i I planned gorgasm too and they were going to finance that i had gabriella was coming back rick was coming back flint on who unfortunately just died last year now he was going to come back and it was going to be great. I had this whole new story written up and it was going to be awesome. I mean, it was, it was a totally different angle and it was going to be more gore. It would actually be a, live up to the gore title instead of like the first time it was going to actually live up to the gore title.
0: Yeah, I, I love gore, guys. And that was a lot of fun. And I listened to that interview uh, that you did with uh, Gabriela and you guys were kind of talked about, you know, the sequel that you were hopefully planning. And uh, it's, it's definitely a bummer that never happened.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe eventually some of the shit will start happening. I don't know. There's
0: things like crowdfunding and all that these days, you know, you, you never know. I mean, have you, have you ever considered trying to do anything like that to maybe produce something?
1: I started to once and then I pulled it down. Um, I don't know. I'm not a really social network type person. I mean, I'm on there some, but I'm not I mean, right. you're on there all the time. I see you there all the time. No, you gotta be! <laughs> you know? I know you do. That's just—I'm I'm not that kind of person, really. But I mean, I can do it, but it's not really something I'm—I like doing. I don't know. I'm definitely old school. I like the old way of doing things, but you know, that's all dead and gone. So, for sure. I don't know if, I, you know, I, I'll just have to come up with something. I think that it can actually be shot and try to see what happens. I don't know. Right.
0: Yeah, I kind of—you know—my people have asked me like, well, why don't you crowdfund, you know, because everything I've done, I, I self-finance myself. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to be beholden to other people. And I don't know if it's kind of the same with you when you produce some of your stuff is like, I presume like when you had partners with stuff that at times you're beholden to other people because they want to have their say in what's going on with the project and, and all of this. And
1: I really wasn't that bad because I mean, Gorgas and Flint Mitchell put up half the money and flint we just got along really well and we just you know he was the the publisher in the movie right and we just got along really well and he he was a great guy to bounce ideas off and we would just sit in a room and just throw ideas back and forth to each other and that's actually one of the movies i'd like to make we came up with a really great idea for a movie but um and same with robert walters i mean he didn't really give a shit about money he just he put money into the movie because he wanted the movie to be made and afterwards i actually never took any money i mean we just kept putting the money back into the next movie we never you know i was living off draculina i really wasn't living off the money from the movies because we were just trying to each time we would like okay we're gonna make a better movie this time and then right. make another better movie the next time and so, i don't know where we were gonna end up at but obviously we didn't end up anywhere we just know halfway through the last movie and that was it but you now robert's a really nice guy though and he's and he just he just he actually had a lot of movie ideas too, which unfortunately never got made. He's a little more insane than I am and he had some really wild ideas.
0: Well, you know, you 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 definitely have left a mark on cinema, you know, at least in my opinion. I mean, I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I'm just gonna tell you right now, Hugh, of like kind of the shot on video directors to me, you are probably if not my favorite, then one of my favorites. I mean, your work is, you know, completely unique. Like I said, one thing that I really love about it is the story aspects. They always have a good story. So, you know, you got the exploitation elements, but you also have the good story, which kind of keeps you entertained throughout the film. And, uh, you know, I think it's the sense of humor in them as well. Obviously there's, you know, kind of, uh, a macabre sense of humor in most of your films. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, you just made some great stuff, and and I hope if people are watching this and aren't familiar with your work, you know that they go and check out your stuff. And uh, I know, uh, I know you're selling a lot of it now at your Draculina site. So, how can people? Uh, what's the best way for people to kind of uh, get copies of your movies?
1: Well, if you go to Draculina.com, you can find all the magazines that are left, and all the movies are on there too. I think mean, they're only like ten bucks a piece, so. I mean, everything on there is pretty cheap. I think all the magazines are like five bucks a piece. So,
0: Oh, the prices are yeah. great. I, I bought a ton from you not, not too long ago. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, the prices are great. You go to eBay, people want like 12 times the amount of, of what you're charging for these. So, I mean, it's it's really a great deal. And, and if you're just getting into like, you know, shot on video cinema or just indie cinema in general from the 90s and Scream Queen movies, like these magazines just have a wealth of great information. Uh, you know and it's definitely a time capsule of, of that period of filmmaking which to me I mean I'm a kid of that kind of era the 80s and 90s and to me like you can't beat you can't beat that era of filmmaking especially when it comes to indie underground filmmaking you know I know a lot of people will argue and say well no it's the drive-in days and all that but to me like the 80s and the 90s and, and the video boom you know and the the shot on video specifically was like hey normal people can or just movie fans can try to make their own movies you know it really gave the power to the fans and it was the first time it was like that because it still was difficult I mean even when you were doing it I mean the equipment wasn't cheap you know and going to edit Mm -hmm. you know you had to rent the equipment or buy the equipment is very expensive as well so it wasn't like you know like today where any kid you know Gets his cell phone, shoots a movie, and then it's like, okay, I made a movie. I shot it over, you yeah. know, one day, it's done.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely expensive. I mean, I bought a lot of equipment, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just like in Gorehor, we spent money. Well, we bought that Panasonic mixer, and I think that was like $1,200 at the time. And it was, and we bought a thing to put on the camera to make it more of a steady cam. That's why there's so many moving shots in that. And, I don't know. I thought, I thought I, that's out of all the movies of, of the look. I think that one looks the best, and it's a toss-up between Garotta and gore and which one's the better story. I think is probably the better story, but the gore Horror is definitely, it definitely lives up to the Gore title for sure, right. and it definitely has a lot more action and movement. I, don't know. I, I mean, even like with Gorgasm, I would sit down and draw storyboards of what I wanted to happen because I would always try to figure out. I was always I was I was probably more obsessed with what am I going to do with the camera than I was with the people. I tried to focus more on the acting instead of the, how's this going to work. And then I, I'm always editing things in my head. I'm always putting it together like, oh, this does this, this does that. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I I I'm happy with all the movies. I mean, they have their flaws, but you know, and for what what they are, I mean, the fact that we're talking about it now is pretty pretty interesting. I mean most of these movies are long gone and forgotten, you know, we're still talking about these. So that's kind of cool.
0: Yep. Oh, for sure. And I, you know, I think they're going to live on for a lot longer and I hope I really hope they do. Cause I think they're great movies and, you know, I think, uh, there's new generations of fans discovering this stuff all the time. I mean, I I'm, I'm working on a movie I'm producing right now and it's all teenage filmmakers who are guys who are like 14 and 15 years old. And these guys love shot on video horror movies. I mean, they love your movies. They love Donald's movies. You know, there's a whole new generation discovering these movies. And I, I, I think they're, they're going to be like the cockroaches, you know, in the nuclear Armageddon where these movies just aren't going to go away, you know, because they have legs. They're, they're good. They're good movies ultimately. And they're good stories. And I think, you know, they deliver on, you know, the, the, the blood, the sex, the violence, you know, the, the craziness. And, and, and so I think they'll definitely live on for years to come. At least I hope so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I guess that's what I want to be known for. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I, I I got nothing else. So I guess that's, that's my call there. <laughs> so.
0: Well, it's It's been awesome chatting with you, Hugh. I mean, I could probably talk your ear off for another three hours, but uh, I should probably keep this not too, too long. <laughs> I try to keep it around an hour. But uh, I'd definitely love to have you on another time. I mean, yeah, there's so much more. I mean, we, we barely talked about orgasm and some of your other projects and stuff. But uh, it, honestly, I just want to personally thank you. Like, it's been an honor, you know, talking to you and kind of even working with you as an honor. Oh, I'm sorry. I, we cannot leave without mentioning horrible Hughes coffin reviews. Um, I got I got to bring that up because I absolutely love the show and not just cause you covered my movie, but, but it's, it's a really fun show and you, you obviously put so much work into it. I mean, it's, it's like a full on, you know, if you aren't familiar with these guys, like look it up right now, horrible Hughes coffin reviews. I mean, they're so in depth. I mean, you put so much production into one of these videos. I imagine it takes like a really long time to make one of these. <laughs>
1: They're a pain in the ass. I really don't know why I do them. Um, um, yeah, that last one was really hard. Yours was really hard. But, uh, yeah, it's, I just started doing it. I was, I was with my wife and I'm like, you know, I gotta do something. I am thinking about doing movie reviews in a coffin. <laughs> it's just like, what is wrong with you? It's like, I got to do something because I, I, I get all, you know, you, you got to do something creative, you know, it's like it drives you nuts. And what's so funny is like, I was actually in a Home Depot buying the wood to build that coffin. And I ran into somebody I know and they said, What are you doing? I said, well, I'm buying wood to build a coffin. They're like, oh, really? That's cool. You know what? And then they just start talking about something else. Like, <laughs> I, I've jaded people so much. I can say, I'm building a coffin. I'm like, yeah, i probably building a coffin. You could kill somebody or something. I don't know. They don't even think anything <laughs> of it, you know? It's like, but yeah, my my friend Eric came over and we built that whole set and it was, it turned out pretty good and it's a lot of fun. I don't know when I'm going to do another one because like I said, they're, they are a lot of work. And right. There's a couple other Draculina ideas I have that I'm, I'm going to try to put on video for the Draculina YouTube channel. Nice. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, you can check it out at the Draculina YouTube channel.
0: Yeah. No, it's, they're really fun and, and I mean... I just got to ask though, like how long would a typical one of those take? Like, it almost seems like you got to at least put like a, almost a month's worth of work into it as far as like scripting and, you know, doing the, all the different bits and all the. I sit there and I'll, I'll write the whole thing. And then I'll figure out all the props
1: I need. Then I'll buy all that stuff. And then actually I'll shoot it all in one day, but I have everything figured out and ready to go before I shoot it. Yeah. It's, it's a pain, but yeah, I, I, I like the drive-in
0: sequence in the, in the last one. That was oh, kind of fun. so funny. <laughs> so do you have anyone kind of help you out with those, like help you shoot those? Cause obviously you're, you're acting in them. So you're on screen. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It just depends
1: right. on which one, what's going on. You know, I, I, I try to do things now where I'm not relying on anyone because, you know, like you said, people don't show or people, whatever. So. I try to figure out things myself. I mean, there's obviously no camera movements or anything in this.
0: It's just a lot of split screen stuff. Right. So is that your hand then, doing the hand stuff? Yeah, it actually is. Nice.
1: (laughs) I'll shoot one scene with all just the hand stuff, and I'll go shoot the other scene with just me. Very cool. And then I shot me as the headless guy, too. That was actually me, too. So I'm in that one thing three times (laughs) at the same time. So yeah, I don't know. It's stupid. I mean, I'll do them too, like two or three in the morning too. So yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I really yeah. don't know why I do it. It's not going over that great, so I'm not sure how long I'll keep continuing it. But I do well, it for more yeah. for
0: me than anything else. Well, and I think that's what matters. I think you know, when when you're a creative person, you know, it's like you said, it you need to kind of create or you kind of go nuts. You know, it's it. I know for myself, like you know, whether I've kind of jumped between films and music, you know, also do music. And it's like, I got to be doing something or I'm going nuts, you know, and, and yeah. sometimes people don't understand, you know, like, Oh, how, how do you work 16 hours a day and do all this? It's like, cause I love it. Cause I have the drive, you know, but I hear you as I'm getting older. I, it's like, it's getting a little tireder. And it's like, I don't spend enough time with my family. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it can wear
1: you down after a while. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean well, you
0: got your whole company there though so you we're made talking. your mark <laughs> <I'm trying. laughs> it's you know it's it's definitely uh, not super successful and, and I've probably lost more money than I've made but you know I do it because all these movies I put out is, is it's all stuff I love I mean I wouldn't put out something if I didn't like it I've had plenty of people offer me movies that I thought were just crap and I'm like I, I can't put this out because I don't put that much work into something it's like you gotta really yeah. you gotta like it you know and yeah, yeah. You can't, definitely can't do this stuff for the money because there's definitely not a lot of money in it. Eh, not
1: it's, with not with streaming and everything everyone's getting yeah. shit for free so yeah
0: they're not gonna pay as like they used to yeah i and guess unless they can't free.
1: get it anywhere else that's your only hope is they can't get it anywhere
0: else Hmm. when streaming you know is is kind of a whole nother just uh i hate streaming personally <laughs> you know I, I work for another company another film company and uh I handle all their streaming and all their online distribution. And uh, you know, it would seem almost like a no brainer for me to jump in that market as well. But I'm like, I don't wanna sell my movies for pennies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you you literally make no money and then you're at the mercy of these companies who are just all of a sudden, you know what, we don't wanna we don't wanna have your movie up here anymore, like Amazon. Oh, okay, we'll put your movie up and then oh no, never mind. We're pulling it. Too much sex, too much violence, you know. Yeah so
1: yeah I don't know I don't know where everything is going next but I'm sure it's not in a good place
0: no <laughs> but hey you know that's why yeah I still got a lot of physical media <laughs> we always say when the, when all this streaming uh, dies and, and people's internet goes out you know we, we still got plenty to watch so <laughs>
1: yeah we we just got a new like 75 inch tv and I put it up I thought this is gonna be awesome I said we need to put all our DVDs in here, and I'm starting kind of like God. I got thousands of DVDs. I didn't even realize I had that. Me, I'm trying to figure out how I can stack them all in there, it's like I can't <laughs> even fit them all in here. It's crazy. <laughs> right. I just keep buying them. I don't know why. <laughs> oh
0: well. Yeah, I had to tell myself I'm like I'm not buying Blu-rays of everything that I already have on VHS and DVD because yeah. just you end up having 20 copies of the same movie. You know how many times do you need? Dawn of the Dead or you know, Evil Dead or whatever, you know. Uh,
1: I, I probably like have a hundred and fifty laser discs too. It tells you how far along I've been <laughs> collecting
0: shit. Nice. <laughs> but I do, I will say this, that I definitely have multiple copies of all of your movies, Hugh. Uh. <laughs> you know, I, I gotta have all these on every format, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think
1: you're getting anything extra on that blu-ray agorotica. It probably looks exactly the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, it's been awesome wrapping with you, Hugh. And definitely people, it, draculina.com is, is the website, right? Yeah. So, yeah, go to draculina.com, buy some magazines, buy some DVDs, you know, uh, check out the Horrible Hughes Coffin Reviews. And uh, yeah, open your mind. Check out some new stuff if you're not familiar with it. I guarantee you, you're gonna find something you love over at Draculina.com. So, and uh, thanks so much, to you. I <clears throat> I super appreciate you coming on and, and and talking to me. And I appreciate all your help. I mean, you've you've helped me out with a lot of things, you know, over the years. And uh, I really appreciate all the help and and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I'm I'm really excited about our Metal Nor reunion. We're gonna try to. <laughs> Get going on in the near future here, so stay tuned for that, yeah. you guys. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks you, and we'll we'll talk to you later, buddy. You have a good one, man.
1: All right. You too. Bye.
0: Right, Bye. Bye.